Hello and welcome to the podcast for the 22nd Annual FIRST Conference in Miami, Florida, June 13th through 18th, 2010. This series of interviews highlights some of the key speakers and presenters at this year's event. For more information, please visit the conference site at conference.first.org. We now join our interview in progress. This is Martin at the first conference in 2010, and I'm here today talking to Stephen Adair, who is a security researcher at the, the Shadow Server Foundation. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm doing very well, thank you. Well, I mean, let's let's start off with, with the basics. What exactly is the, the Shadow Server Foundation, and what do you do? Uh, the Shadow Server Foundation is a nonprofit organization of uh, all-volunteer security experts. You know, we're located pretty much around the world. We have several people in the United States, um, people in Europe, Asia, uh, not Asia, <coughs> Australia, I mean the same. People in Australia, um, Europe, United States, kind of located all over. Um, basically, we volunteer and dedicate our time to looking at e-fraud, e-crime, uh, you know, malware, botnets, and all kinds of bad stuff that the miscreants do on the internet. And we spend a lot of our time researching it and have a pretty robust infrastructure to uh, notify and let people know what's going on on their networks and IP address space. So your talk today was targeted intrusion and cyber espionage. Wake up! Uh, that that kind of set, denotes that you're trying to tell people that there's something that they're not paying attention to. Yeah, there's a there's a very big problem. Um, I mean, all malware and different things are you know they're serious threats that get on people's systems. Whether it's a keylogger, something that's going to try and steal their banking information. But in particular, what I spend a lot of time researching and focusing on is you know what would be called cyber espionage groups, and those are sometimes also called the advanced persistent threat or APT. Um, they're usually looking to break into organizations and steal information, get access to whatever they have. Um, they'll just siphon out and take everything that they can. This is a big problem because a lot of people seem to have this misconception that this is just a government, a military, you know, a defense industrial-based problem. When the reality is, from looking at it and seeing it firsthand and being just you know, absolutely mortified by how bad it really is, this is they are the least of the victims. They're just, I mean, they're people from all industries, you know, whether it's aerospace, human uh, human rights, you know, people in Tibet, uh, people that work with polymers and plastics, internet service providers, telecom, they are all being victimized and having information stolen literally on a daily basis. And most of them have no idea. The list of, of businesses, not necessarily names, but of, of industries that you had showed in the during the presentation was rather impressive. And, and from the sounds of it, you could have probably put another slide or two just to, to show the representative industries. Yeah, definitely. So the the point of that slide, I mean, obviously listeners don't have the the deck in front of them or anything, but it was a long list of industries, you know, covering pretty much everything. You know, ask the audience, take a look at this. Would you, would your company or someone you know or do business would qualify as that? And probably most people would answer yes. And the answer on that was then you've been or are being victimized by cyber espionage groups. I mean, this is the reality is, I mean, even if you just took something like Configure, I mean, I could do the same thing with all these other different botnets. You know, we see tons and tons of malware, millions of drones and infected systems a day. That's true, but a lot of those aren't there to take extremely sensitive information, and they didn't specifically target that machine organization or person, and that's what, the, you know, is the real difference here. So you're, you're saying that even though it's not necessarily just a blanket attack. You're, you're actually seeing almost every industry being hit by the targeted attack that somebody is is actually targeting that company looking for specific people or specific specific information. 
Yeah, I mean, using the word every, you can never, you know, that's one of those, like, SAT questions. You, know, you see the word every, you got to avoid it. So, I mean, every, and you say every, I use that kind of loosely, but it, it's just so, I mean, you look at it and you just take a look at the who's being victimized and, and what you can see from some of the data we've been able to collect in it. You're just, it's stuff I would never dream of. I haven't even heard of most of these companies and you research what they do and it's just mind-blowing. Um, it, it's something that, you know, I can't say every single company, if I go and see, like, Joe's Flower Shop, he's probably not being victimized, but they're probably someone who develops seeds or fertilizers for flowers they might be being victimized i mean it's literally it's stuff that just doesn't initially come to mind people i think oh like trade secrets or someone developing weapon systems i mean those are obvious ones and, and they're definitely being targeted but it, it goes it just goes far beyond that into things like agriculture uh, research into chemicals you know things along those lines and they are they are being specifically targeted either because of specific research they do or it's an industry that is of interest to someone out there. Well, are you seeing a commonality between the uh, between the attacks themselves, or are you just seeing things that are all across the board? The research is like I mean, you can research this thing, and, and it takes a little more effort and connection and people that share stuff. I mean, we, we look in the same as we look at other botnets. I mean, malware doing keylogger charges and whatnot. So, oh, coming. So yeah, so we look into um, so we look into some of these different attacks and. Um, well, we have different varying the information can vary. So someone might come and say, "This is the file that we were attacked with." We can look at that file, see where it goes, analyze it, see what it did. Um, sometimes people say, "We're just seeing suspicious activity here." Uh, other times, you just go off of samples we find in our malware repository, um, and, and other things that look odd, or we run across through different honeypots or things being shared. So, so there's some things that are common that we see a lot, and, and, and when we are able to look into it, that's usually where you get the most insight. So I mean, if someone can provide you the full sample, and you can kind of see a, a theme to it or a trend, that kind of helps. Or if you can actually look and you get access in some capacity to finding out uh, who the actual victims are, you can you can start to notice patterns. And I don't claim that we have access or have seen even the majority of them, but there's there's definitely some where you can see a clear-cut pattern. Like, for example, in the Shadows in the Clouds report, we looked at people that are targeting India and Tibet. Very specific. They had, I mean, they, they it branched out, and we saw stuff from Nepal, Pakistan, and others. But we saw lots of files themed around Indian government, lots of things around uh, Tibet. Uh, the the Dalai Lama was targeted and went after um, their systems there. Uh, we saw government machines that were compromised, and the themes, I mean, it all supported what we were seeing, and it was obviously a very clear-cut um, set of targets, what they were looking for, or at least that they were trying to victimize. Now, we don't know if they wanted specific information. I can't speak to the exact motives, but it, it's not a mistake they ended up on the machines they were on. They wanted they wanted to be there, and that's like a consistent theme with the um, APT actors. Well, and I guess that is one of the big issues that we're we're seeing as security professionals is that we are still in a lot of cases on the assumption that it's it's a, a target of opportunity. But you're saying that no, that that's more of a thing of the past or or just something that's background noise. The targeted threat is really what we need to be paying attention to. I mean, I think if you pay attention to all of it, I mean, security that that's the problem is like the you know you got to be. You have to be right all the time. They only have to be right once, and that's that's the problem. I mean, I'd say target opportunities there too. If, if these people have a mission statement of compromising anything having to do with, uh, you know, I don't know, avionics, and they can. And there's tons of companies out there. They can just they can do one after another, and just they can, they can wait. They can wait. But maybe if they want a very specific piece of research, like someone's working on, I don't know, an engine, or maybe they want someone who's. Uh, dealing with the specific negotiations or what, freedom of speech issue. They can't, it's not so much a target opportunity anymore because they want specific stuff. And I, that's the thing. I can't always speak to the motives, but yeah, they're definitely uh, going after very specific targets um, and they'll try and get to them however they can. 
have you seen anything that's really been surprising to you as of late? I mean, in the last six months or a year, have you seen anything that just kind of took you back and uh, took you aback, and you didn't realize that this was happening? Um, I just say all of, I mean, you know, a lot of these things, the first time you see it, it's kind of shocking, you know, people, you know, stealing, you know, documents or going out and finding everything they can on a system and you know, putting it up in like a RAR file and, and stealing it all. I mean, that's kind of shocking when you actually victim organization and they go in and they've actually attached on the share drives and the person's email and stuff and they're just taking everything that they can. It's just surprising to see that. Um, it's, it's, it's not good <laughs> and it's something I don't like to see, so... Well, one of the the things that you mentioned is that as a problem is that in a lot of cases, what's happening is that this information is being stovepiped. It's being kept within a very uh, small vertical portion of companies. Do you see that changing, or do you see that being something that we can help affect? Yeah, it's unfortunate. At the end of my presentation, I said I didn't I didn't necessarily provide too much in way of solutions, and that's because it's it's a lot more complex than it seems. And you know, and I also said in the stovepipe portion, it's not necessarily a bad thing. In some places where the industries are very targeted, you know, there's certain set targets they share, they collaborate together, they have common interests, they have com- they're commonly targeted. That works. But then there's lots of other people out there, and also other organizations that. Um, they're either not at the skill set level, like the, you could send out that information, they wouldn't be able to distinguish between something that was targeted and a random piece of spyware. So there's a skill set problem, but then even if people uh, potentially can distinguish and understand and respond appropriately, they may not be getting that information. And that's either because they just don't know what to look for, so someone's got to start sharing them, like the, the techniques and all the other tactics and, and the things that are done, or it's just uh, they they haven't been brought into it. There's any number of reasons why they might not know or have access to it. And like I said, sometimes once you figure out some of these things, you start looking at it pragmatically, you can kind of, you know, you can attack the problem and really, you have a, a new view if you know what to look for. It's it's good if people can start sharing, but it also at the same time, you know, like you said, if these people aren't at the right level, they don't know what they're doing and you start sharing information, it can just kind of jeopardize everything you've collected because if they're hacked, they don't know how to handle it correctly or they don't know their email system is hacked or any number of reasons the adversary, the bad guys, didn't have all the information that you just collected and they know that you're watching and it just defeats the entire purpose. What can the average security professional do to help take care of this problem, to help contribute to the solution? Yes, so that's another tough one. In the, in the end, is to kind of put things you should have. I mean, some of this still just goes back to the basics. I mean, to really to really stop it, or you can't really, I don't know if you can see stop it, to really address the problem, I mean, you need a you need a team of people who specifically, depending on the size of your organization, um, that, uh, that that specifically spend a lot of their time trying to stop this type of threat, looking at it, working with others, and you have to really get in um, networking. But the, the average security person or average organization at least wants to uh, put a dent in this or slow it down I mean, a lot of it can just goes back to like some of the basics. Like I said, you you don't have antivirus or other uh, scanners on your email gateway. I mean, that's really important. Um, I mean, it sounds really basic. Most places have it, but if you don't have that, that's a problem there. If it's catching things, you know, this is what I have one example. If your antivirus gateway has caught some malicious file, you know, I'm not talking the the random exe spam that goes across the internet. It caught some kind of PDF file, and you looked at it, and it was relevant. It was sent to this nit guy in your organization. Or his, uh, man or woman organization and it was not a automated one it looks more like someone sent it and has a malicious attachment well if you're just deleting that and you're happy that it was caught and blocked that's that's the wrong mindset you need to be thinking well why were they targeted what actually what exactly was this what did this attempt to do you need to analyze and see where it goes because just because it blocks something today doesn't mean that it it wasn't already on your network previously or that they won't succeed at getting through tomorrow so the average security person needs to be look at things you know 
analytically a little differently, you know, start to think about what, what, what does it mean to them? Um, and then there's just really basic stuff like, you know, patching your computer. It's your, you know, a PDF is a big one. So if your Adobe Acrobat is like, hasn't been updated in the last six months, you know, the zero day is not your problem. It's an even older exploit. So you need to be really keeping up to date. So it's not every bad guy and not everyone who's going to target you is going to have some zero day. Sometimes a lot of time, most of the attacks, there's a patch available and, you're not applying that you don't have it applied you're just opening your opening the door well another term you used in your presentation was zero day hype and what exactly did you mean by that well i said you know a lot of time people will say oh you know zero day is a big threat and they, they overplay it you know because a lot of times it's not really necessary so if you if you don't have the you're not, if you're missing patches in your browser on the web there's a good chance you're going to exploit it by a drive-by malware exploit through an ad network or a compromised website or whatever the case may be and people are always oh, the zero day concern you know but if you're not up to date, it's it's just all hype because it really doesn't even matter. And a lot of times, you know, the zero days an overplayed an overplayed threat. You know, just the most widespread stuff is patch. But then when it comes to the targeted attacks, the actual the, the zero day is actually a major concern because if you are an organization that's fully up to date, you're patched and you're basically doing everything you can to secure against this, and you're managing your infrastructure, the zero day vulnerabilities still come out. Like we just had the Flash zero day come out. And they've now the flash has been embedded in websites and you know links that go to them or um, in the case I talked about my presentation one of the websites with human uh, rights and censorship uh, had the just embedded in the page the Chinese uh, language version of the page um, very specific targets that they wanted but they've also now embedded that flash you know into PDF files and they're delivering it via other mechanisms. One of the things about saying the flash zero day that just came out is that's pretty timeless. That's uh, that's something you're going to always be uh, relevant. Yeah, it almost is, and technically saying Flash Zero Day, you know, formerly Flash Zero Day, since they do, they have put out, Adobe has put out a patch, and I must say, um, to their credit, Adobe, despite the fact still having vulnerabilities in their product, their turnaround time and their security response time, they've matured that quite a bit. I mean, before, you know, it's kind of quiet, or you'd wait, or it'd be delayed, but they they get the advisories out, you know, really quickly now, they let you know what's going on, and they've been, you know, it seems as of late, they've had the patch turnaround time a little quicker than normal, so I think... You know, no one, you, haven't, you didn't ask me what I thought about this, but I think Adobe's improved a lot of their, at least their security response now. You know, we can just hope that bad guys stop finding vulnerabilities in the product or plugins related to it. I think that you actually did a really good job of getting across your main point, which was that people need to realize that they are targets, that, that it's not just something that happens to the government. It's not something that happens just to other people. They really are being targeted if they if they're not that mom and pa a floral shop they there's a good chance that somebody may be looking at them uh realizing that they have something of value to uh to steal yeah definitely and as we said you know people go why me why would i be targeted or, like what do i have that they want and that's said it could be any number of things so obviously there's some you know if you're working on certain brand new cutting edge research or some product I mean, that's kind of obvious, but then there's other things like you might be in some kind of contract negotiation. Maybe you deal with you deal with human rights stuff and you interface with people who are trying to like do anti-censorship. I mean, some of this stuff in potentially has like real serious consequences to people if they're found out that they're, you know, they're trying to uh, advocate freedom of speech or their um, dissidents along those lines. I mean, that's that's pretty serious. I look at that as actually I, I didn't say that in my presentation, but I think those are some. That's why some of this stuff is really serious, too, is actually, I don't know of any cases of anyone losing their life over it, but there's potential for people to be arrested, or in some cases, who knows what else. Um, but yeah, the, the intellectual property, if you're doing contract negotiations, if you're going to the table at an international, at a state level, or potentially even uh, just doing some kind of business deal, if the other person at the other end of the table has all of your game plan, your notes, 
or any kind of predecisional information for anything else, that's uh, really negative towards you as a person who just had it stolen. And how much is that stuff worth to you? Well, Stephen, if, if people think that they are one of the targets or if they have botnet issues or, or they just want to find out more about sh- the Shadow Server organization, uh, where can they find out more and where, how can they contact you? They can go to uh, www.shadowserver.org, um, and on there, they can find out different resources, uh, find out links about how to get um, reports for their IP address space or their AS numbers. Um, that way, we can take uh, anything we see, whether it's a DDoS attack, um, a scan, uh, malware, beaconing, drones, anything else that has to do with their IP, IP address space or networks. Um, and automatically generate them uh, reports, letting them know the activity that we saw. Um, that's all free of charge. They can go there, just email contact. If they want to contact me specifically about anything in the presentation, or anything we talked about today, that's my first name, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, at shadowserver.org. Thank you very much for your time today, Stephen, and I really enjoyed your presentation. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a great meeting you. You've been listening to the podcast for the 22nd Annual First Conference in Miami, Florida, June 13th through 18th, 2010. Please visit the conference site at conference.first.org. For more information about me, you can also visit www.mckeay.net. Thank you and have a good day. Initiating Shutdown Sequence.